Hello, welcome back to Beyond the Barbell with me, Manuela, and Michael from Common. Good morning. It's morning here. It's afternoon in the UK. <laughs> but what's up, everyone? Evening, yeah. wherever you are. How are you doing, Michael? I'm good. Uh, we are an international podcast. We should have the clocks behind us that have like London time, yeah. Beijing time, Canada time. Like radio. Do you think radio stations is something that is dying now because of the rise of podcast and, you know, Spotify, iTunes, everything like that? Interesting question. And, I, and, I, and I'm going to say yes, only because like now you have. So back in the day, how old are you, Manavala? 24? 26. Okay, 26. So like you're. You're kind of there. But I was telling this to Coach Baxter yesterday in our podcast. And I go to him. I remember, so I was cleaning out some stuff that I had from university days. So now I'm 36. I was in university. I graduated in 2008. So I was in university between 2004 and 2008. Yeah. So I was cleaning out a bin of old electronics, some computer cords, some controllers, some video game stuff. Uh, But uh, you know how like XM satellite radio and Sirius radio is installed in every car now? Mm, yeah well back when i was in university uh they didn't really do that it was just starting out so you had to buy these receivers Mm -hmm. that you would install into your car but you had to put the antenna on the hood of your car so i remember taking apart my entire car so i could put all the wires through the molding of the car and yeah so so that was like back then and now it's in your car and yeah. now we have Spotify, iTunes, all that stuff on your phone with the Bluetooth. That I think, like, I don't listen to radio. Do you? No, it's the thing in in Brazil. Um, there, that was a period where where uh, people would steal that from cars because it was obviously worth a lot of money. They would break into cars just to steal the whole radio, right. cut the wires, and everything like that. Um, yeah, no, I don't listen to radio. It's a shame because you know, to be fair our generation is no longer listening to it because we have everything on demand. We can just, if we want to listen to something specific, we go and look for it. We don't have to listen to what's on right now, what's live in the radio. Uh, if I want to listen to politics and not listen to the charts or whatever is playing on BBC, I can just go on BBC um, podcast and just listen to what's going on in the world through that. But the older generation, like my grandma, whenever I go to Brazil, she's still, she wakes up, first thing she does is put the radio on and listen to, you know, whatever is on and just have that as a background noise. Also, it cuts off the decision making. So you don't have to be thinking about what you're going to listen to. You can just have that in the background. It's kind of like almost white noise. I think it's it it is definitely a lot less than before because we have so many more options. And it might be dying, but it will probably hang around for, for a lot longer still. I I think so. And to be fair, here in Canada, we don't really have that many great radio stations. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually in Windsor, because we're a border city with Detroit, we actually get a lot of the stations from Detroit. So we get a lot of the American stations on our radio, which is kind of cool. Um, Cause like you'll get like better hip hop and stuff, mm-hmm. but where I actually love listening to the radio is in Italy. And I remember going there uh, in like throughout the summers because they would have like specific stations for like EDM or like various type of categories of genres of music. And I, I don't know what it is about. And I even say this about when I watch my soccer games um, here in Canada, I'll watch them on the Italian station because I love um, the Italian commercials. There's something yeah. maybe nostalgic for me when I hear 
those type of commercials or yeah. even like the radio commercials, it actually prefer that over the Canadian stuff. So I'm not sure if it's just a nostalgic thing. Yeah, no, definitely. But it's got I a different remember, vibe for me. I remember as a child, because obviously we couldn't choose what song we wanted to listen right there and then. So I remember getting my like friends in my house and we'd be like on the phone, like ringing the radio and be asking for that song and then when it plays we're like yeah yeah like, they're playing our song and it was like such a high and now we well we don't have that anymore but there is the plus and the minuses of that you don't have to listen to things that you don't want to but also you limit yourself to just what you like to hear isn't it exactly. and I think in in all media is like that now because of the algorithm and everything we just see what we want to see and it's almost like tunnel vision we don't see anything else beyond that and then you end up seeing the same people doing the same things and everything and kind of like closing yourself in little bubbles rather than opening yourself up to other subjects other matters and other things that you don't show interest on online well think of how that reflects even into your business like if you're an online coach like yourself and you follow only pre-script guys or you follow people that are like, you know, maybe like a little bit step above us because like their education and they, and they train coaches. And so you see all their content and you think, well, do I have to do that same content like they're doing? Because that's all I see. You, you don't, you don't really focus on what your demographic or what your customer really wants. You and end so up it, losing touch a little bit. Yeah. So, uh, what a good start to a podcast. I know, right? Actually, on today's episode, I wanted to talk about kind of within those lines of what's trending and what's not within the fitness industry of what's overrated and what's underrated. So I haven't prepped you on that. So I'm quite interested to hear what your opinions are in some of those. Yes. Sorry if I sound a little bit fluey. I caught like last week, I caught this nasty flu that's going around, especially because now the weather is changing. And right. everything. I hope you've been taking your vitamin Ds, have you? No, but I got to start because it's getting cold here in Canada. Yeah, and especially as you know, because people with darker skin, skin or people from warmer countries should definitely take more vitamin D because it's harder for us to absorb vitamin D from the sun itself. Right. Um, now that you're sick and I, I'm sorry that you feel sick and I hope you feel better soon, but isn't it nice? And I'm not sure about, uh, in the UK, but I know here in Canada, you haven't been hearing much talks about that one thing that went on last year or in the year uh-huh. before. Uh-huh. And it's been so nice to just say like, Hey, we're back to being normal sick. Thank yeah. God. Like, I'm looking after myself, you know, having my soups or whatever, feel a bit shit for two or three days, but then that's it. Right. Cool. Let's get into it then. Uh, now. I want to start with one that I know you're not big on. So underrated or overrated uh, tempo reps. Oh, okay. this is going to be a big can of worms. I'm going to open up here. So you probably seen my story, correct? Last week? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I'm going to say overrated, but I have to provide some context here because I think tempos are very, very useful and valuable. Sure. But the way people have been doing them, they have been overrated. And what I said in my, because I had asked, I was asked a question about why I don't like tempos that much. Because I do like them. But my, my, my answer to this was, it's because, um, 
so so most people will use tempos with a beginner intermediate lifter so that they can learn pattern and skill yeah so i understand that right learning how to control the eccentric i understand completely that but what ends up happening and what i've been seeing online through you know my followers and and what they're posting and whatever it is even my clients um i see a lot of people so like you know how tempos are um you know like one two zero one whatever it is the way it's written yeah. people are so focused on counting the seconds of each phase of the lift mm-hmm. that they're missing the point of what the lift is for which is to provide a, a level of output or intensity mm-hmm. so while one might say that tempo is a really good way to increase time under tension which it 100 percent is true what happens if some if a, if a, if a client isn't educated in the fact that okay this is the tempo that i want for the eccentric i want a, I want a two second eccentric mm-hmm. but what if the, they're not using a load that is enough to stimulate muscle growth or hypertrophy mm-hmm. they're not getting the intended quality of that lift that they're looking for or what the coach is looking for Instead, they're just thinking, okay, two seconds down, pause for one, up for one, and then pause at the top for one second. They're not really putting effort on the on the contraction of the muscle. Mm-hmm. Whereas I would like to see somebody say, so so when I talk to clients about tempo work, I say, okay, I want you to use a load that is whatever. X because you know it's going to be an RPE of nine, and that means that you you'll you'll have you know maybe like one left in the tank, and you'll know how that feels in the second or third set of that exercise. But adjust accordingly as you need. Now instead of me saying or prescribing a tempo, I'll say when you're lowering the weight, just slow it down just a little bit, because if the weight is heavy enough and you're proficient in skill and you're choosing exercises that are appropriate for your client and they're skillful at it and and they're proficient in it, then by default, by having a heavy weight, you're going to have to slow down the eccentric regardless because you have to create tension in order to stabilize your joints. So like if it's a bench press, a dumbbell bench press, um, it's very difficult to take a heavy weight and just drop it down quickly Yeah. before you can actually push it up. So Usually by default, a heavier load will help you if it's educated to the client, if it's told to the client how to create tension, Mm. that by default is going to create whatever eccentric load it's going to create. I don't care if it's two seconds or four seconds, just control the weight down, feel the stretch of the fibers, and then you're going to elicit the stimulus. So I feel like we need to get away from tempos for all exercise because I've seen some coaches program tempo for every single exercise Mm -hmm. and, you know, and my beef with this is because I know a lot of hypertrophy people, but so it's a lot of clients that are general population that are looking for like, you know, booty building or muscle building, whatever yeah. it is. Mm-hmm. I, I'm seeing them do like a barbell Romanian deadlift with a two second pause in the lengthened position. So like in the, in the, in the, in their um, eccentric, which is fine. Okay. But I'd rather see you control the load and then thrust up with as much force as you can, as opposed to pausing for two seconds in that lengthened phase, because that shows me that the weight isn't heavy enough for you. Because if you can control the in, the, in that paused eccentric, but just below the knees, then you could probably say that it's probably not that heavy. Yeah. 
I think there that was a rant. I apologize. No, I, that's what I was looking for. That's exactly the reason for that question. I knew you were. I hate you that. so much for doing this to me. <laughs> um, no, yeah, I think it's completely right. Obviously, there is a purpose to it, but it's definitely overused at the moment. Um, to the point that people can they think they that's always on the only thing that they have to focus on when there's other things that we can put our focus on and not have to think so much about the time that we're going down, especially because this is just one thing extra that you're adding to someone to trying to think about when you're thinking about technique, position for someone who is beginner or intermediate um, or not that used to the movement yet. Mm. They're already thinking about, you know, engaging the core, keeping the position right, think about contracting the muscle. And now on top of counting my reps, I'm also going to have to count the tempo that I'm going down. Of course, you just don't want anyone throwing the weight around going up and down yeah. too quick because that is also something that tell you that that tells you that that weight is not heavy. I was Fred. That Ready. that weight is not heavy enough for you because, you know, uh, the level of intensity or the how heavy it is is what's going to dictate how quick you're going to do the rep like you said of course the the heavier you go the slower you're going to perform the rep um, so I think there's a place to it but definitely right now is being overused in every single workout for every single movement, even like in warm-ups and other things like that. If the if the weight is light, the way that you're gonna progress is by going up and going closer to failure. Yeah, um, because that's that's all correct, um, and I agree with that. Because like I'm trying to think of, so you know the the only portion of the lift that I actually really care about is the eccentric, and perhaps the pause just before I contract the muscle. Okay. Now that should be intuitive. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think how many times have you done tempo and you're trying to count the tempo for every phase of the lift and then you forget to count your reps and you get a hundred percent. I get totally lost. And also it depends if you're doing, of course, if you're doing like strength work or power lifting, you you're not going to be worried about the tempo in your main lifts, in your compound movements. You just want to do it as quick as you can, pretty much. You just want the yeah. power, you know? Um, so it's more for like the hypertrophy and accessory work outside of that. But, but even for like bodybuilding movements, so like if you're thinking of like a lat pull down, uh, a dumbbell chest press, a cable chest press, or even bicep curls, mm -hmm. you, you inherently want to elicit enough muscle, like muscular contraction to elicit a stimulus of, of, of muscle tearing or growth. Yeah. And let's say you had it, you were prescribed 10 reps at a tempo of let's say three seconds on the eccentric, maybe pause a second at the bottom and then contract for a second, you know, but like, and that's to elicit enough stimulus for those 10 reps. I would rather see you do more than 10 reps if that weight is light. So like, let's yeah. say I chose to use 30 pounds for my bicep curls and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna do 10 reps. Well, chances are like in my first couple sets, I'll be able to do maybe 15 to 17, 18 reps, which probably has more of a benefit for time under tension than if I said 10 reps at a three second eccentric. That's right. That's what I mean. And also because it gets tedious, if you're really doing every single rep really slow, yeah. I mean, that gets very tedious very quickly. So yes. yeah, a hundred percent. I agree with that. 
Uh, right, let's move on to the next one. Yes, please. <laughs> that was a good start. Okay, so next one, uh, kind of on the same path, occlusion training. Is that still a thing? Is that very like old style, old school? Uh, yeah, occlusion training. So I know Eric Bouguera did his uh, master's research on this, I believe. Oh, really? That's um, yeah, he spoke about it on the Prescript uh, podcast, RX Radio. Um, now, for uh, people who don't know, occlusion training would be like blood flow restriction. So you get a great pump out of it. Let's say you're doing bicep curls and then you put a strap around uh, your biceps. Yeah, so if you're doing biceps, you would do it uh, like just like, you know, where, where your upper arm is, mm-hmm. like yeah. almost like where your bicep meets your armpit. Yeah. You, you 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 constrict that with either they actually have devices that you can pump to a specific pressure mm-hmm. oh yeah um, there's some actual accessories for it not just yeah, or the, you can just get straps not just this strap just the elastic band as you go and then if you want to do like quads you would do it like you would you would constrict like the upper thigh up oh, near yeah. the groin yeah uh, it used to be quite popular back in the day with bodybuilding and stuff like that didn't it? Yeah, I mean, so I'm gonna say it's overrated, only mm-hmm. because of the fact of the practicality of it. Like, oh yeah, I'm not gonna go above and beyond to get my session perfectly set up. Like, I mean, I already have a gym bag full of my lifting shoes, my belt, my straps. Like, the last thing I want to do yeah. is pull out mm. another pair of straps so I can constrict my biceps, just so that I can do 35 to 50 reps of like 15 pound dumbbell bicep curls. Yeah. Because you can get that same stimulus by doing three sets of 20 at 25 pounds. Exactly. Now, it has some benefit to like metabolic stress and and creating hypertrophy that way. Mm. I'm just not sure of the mechanism of what the mechanism. I know Eric Bouguera knows the mechanism perfectly because he studied it. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is a mechanism that does help in muscle building. Um, and, it, and it might be valuable if you're in an early rehab process of let's say oh, a bicep yeah. tear or a quad tear, that's where it might have some benefit. Like perhaps like getting on a bike, if you have like a quad tear, constrict your, your quad a little bit and then yeah. go on a cycle and try to get some blood flow into that tissue. Yeah. That might have a, um, a good response because you're just trying to flood the muscle full of uh, blood. Right. But right. for like bodybuilding, I think it's overrated. Yeah. It's, that that's a really good point actually for specific situations it can be useful just like temple work for specific situations it can be useful but for the general population who's trying to get just a good workout out of it it might not be necessary in those terms i say uh especially with something like going back to the quickly going back to the temple work the whole thing where people think they're going to get more out of it is because you know, if you do 10 reps really quickly uh, and if you do 10 reps with tempo work, then that's more time under tension that your muscle is contracting. But that is not always the truth. You can stimulate the muscle in different situations, like you said, and the same goes for for the occlusion training. But that tempo, that tempo, go, let's go back on tempos, damn it. We're back on tempos. <laughs> but to go back on the, on, on the tempo thing, Yes, in theory, in, in theory, you, you'd have more time under tension, yeah. provided that the load is enough to stimulate. And, yeah. and most often than not, it's not. 
anyways, let's move on from that because I'm going to go into a rant again. Yeah. So going, going off the occlusion training one, uh, as we touched on accessories, underrated or overrated lifting accessories, because right now, all I see in social media is people, the other day I saw a video, like, you know, when they suggest you reels of people that you don't know, for some reason, they're there on your, on your feed. And there was this clearly a beginner lady with like doing squats. Let's say she had, she was doing 30 kg squats. So five, mm-hmm. five kg on each side of the barbell. And when I tell you she was, using every single accessory you could possibly find in gym like knee straps belt she even had like lifting gloves and things like that and you're just like it's it's not necessary i i don't think most people need it at all it just again if you get more specific with it if you have performance goals if you're going for you know very heavy or if you even are learning how to brace your core and things like that they there is a place to it but now everybody's using cuffs for everything belts for everything lifting straps for everything what do you think of it i don't want people to think that i'm shitting on everyone (laughs) 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 i'm just putting you on the spot here um and i don't care i love it um as michael is just again everything against everything and everyone so this is a tough one because so it's i'm gonna say overrated but um if if there is a useful there's so much context to this right this is why it's important that people get a coach that's that's smart and intelligent in this stuff no yeah that's right because everything is to a certain point is going to be good for someone for some specific population so um i'm not opposed to people using straps and belts um during like their main lifts provided that they've learned the prerequisite understanding of what it means to brace and I had a conversation about this with um, what's his name, um, Evan Evan Childs from Toronto. I don't know if you know Evan Childs. Mm-hmm. He's part of the preschool community, mm-hmm. and we were uh, lifting at Pure Muscle and Fitness a couple months ago in in August, and I was deadlifting. Um, so I was using straps for my deadlifts, and I failed that set of my deadlifts. And I said to him, I'm like, man, like, I wonder if these straps are causing me not to feel strong or brace effectively. I go, I have a hard time feeling my lats when I have straps on. Mm. He's like, he's like, yeah, he goes, I was thinking about that the other day too. And he goes, that's why I don't really use straps because they don't allow me to like really brace and engage with my lats. And then I was was thinking even more. I'm like, well, that makes sense because if I'm taking the grip out of um, the barbell exercise, like the deadlift, Right. Um, you know the term irradiation? When you squeeze the bar, it irradiates yeah. into your shoulder and then into your lat. So mm-hmm. when I deadlift, I actually like squeezing the bar as hard as I can. That way I can contract my lats even harder. But with the strap, you already have this like thicker part of the barbell on your palm. And yeah. then the strap is kind of taking the load passively. Mm-hmm. So I had a hard time engaging my lats, which made me fail my deadlift. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, while I think straps are useful for maybe like higher rep movements, like a 
Romanian deadlift with dumbbells or 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 a barbell. Mm-hmm. I think again, just like tempos, people are using it as a crutch instead of honing in on their skill. Same yes. thing with like the squat, like the barbell squat. Um, if it's not at a high percentage of your max, then you probably should learn how to brace without a belt. That way you can learn how it is to be like strong in that position because it yeah. is difficult, right? Like even if you're yeah. doing a 75% of your one RM uh, squat for like five to eight reps, it fatigues your core without a belt. Like it, like you just yeah. feel so much more stable with the belt, but I think it will help you in the long run in the, in the, yeah. in the long future to, to not use a belt sub maximal loads. A hundred percent. I would definitely feel like it's overrated. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely recommend people, especially with the belt to learn first without, otherwise they end up relying on it. And then yeah. when you take it out, you just feel like you're missing it. Now, if you don't know any better, if you've been doing it without the belt, you learn and you're okay without the belt. Now you might be able to introduce that because you can still do it either way. You're not relying on that accessory the whole time. Uh, the same thing with the straps. And also when I have clients that are like, they come in with like lifting gloves I really don't like the lifting gloves because it does it doesn't allow you to feel uh, the grip, you know, feel the the barbell or feel the dumbbells. And yes, you might end up with calluses on your hand, but but you know, it is it is what it is. And also, I think it's also part of it that you know it might feel uncomfortable, but it's going out of your comfort zone that you find pro- progress and going out of your comfort zone that you expose yourself to situations to allow you to get better at them. So yes, it might hurt a little bit at the start, but you know, tough shit, deal with it and it's going to get better over time. Obviously this is what I'm saying with ways that are, that don't require that much uh, of the grip strength or, you know, I'm saying with general population that want to straight away be using these accessories when not it's not necessary. They they don't need it. I'd say first get used to it without as you progress on the way, as you progress on your goals and, and as you progress with your performance, then maybe start thinking about using those as an extra instead of being the core of your of your exercise and of your lifts, because you also don't want to be like one of those people that get to the gym. And I, I was like this before I caught myself doing this a couple of times where I get to the gym and I'm doing like a deadlift session or something. And I realized I forgot my straps at home. Oh my God, session ruined. What do I do now? It it shouldn't be like that. You have to come up with something else, come up with a plan B or just expose yourself to it. See what you can do. And like you said, if you if you fail or if you don't get it the way that you expected expected to, just find another path to get there. Mm-hmm. You, there's nothing I hate more than having to bring my gym bag around the gym with me because I have my like, my lifting shoes, I have my belt. Okay. It's actually quite annoying. I love going to a gym without anything and just throwing weight. Mm-hmm. But sometimes you need like some of the stuff. Now, do you, now do you think uh, lifting shoes? I was just going to ask you the same about lifting shoes, actually. Uh, I have a very bad habit of going barefoot for pretty much everything. 
um, because I just feel a lot more stable gripping the floor with just socks on. And I know there's like Vivo Barefoot, there's uh, other trainers, there's Vans. And if it's something that's very solid, I can I can just about do it. But I much prefer to do it without any. And whenever like clients come to me and we're about to do like a, a deadlift or deadlift 100%, I'd rather do right. it barefoot because it also takes a little bit of the realm out right. uh, the range of motion but squats for example they come with running shoes and i go no i'd rather you go barefoot rather than, yeah. than going running shoes because the cushioning is not going to help you what no. about you you're a big vans fan right yeah I'm a, so um if i deadlift it'll be like as flat as i can like mm -hmm. a vans essentially um i don't really do i used to do it barefoot but not as much anymore I tend to do like my warm ups barefoot. If I'm doing like walking lunges as a warm up, I'll do those yeah. barefoot. Um, but when it comes to like squatting, um, I use my lifters because I'm trying to oh, get yes. better at my squats. I'm um, And yeah. I feel like it's a because I'm not a big fan. I'm not sure if this is a, another over or underrated thing that topic that you have. I'm not sure what you have, but I'm gonna go into this. I'm okay. not a fan of slant boards. You know how people do the slant boards with like yeah, yeah, a yeah. high elevation for their squats. Yeah. But that's because... basically what the lifters have though. The the shoes yes. have that inside and crazy range of motion that you get with that as yes. well. That's so, amazing. So if I do heel elevated squats with people, because if they just have like if they're barefoot or they have just a trainer on, yeah. I'll only elevate their heels maybe an inch at most. At most an mm -hmm. inch. Yeah. Any more than that, I believe, takes away, again, just like tempos, it takes away the load that you can handle in your squat or oh, in yeah. your split squat. And uh -huh. so, you know, I'd rather see, you know, so, so it's a trade-off because if you, go, if you do a high slant board, mm -hmm. you'll get really great range of motion deep into your squat. Mm -hmm. But the load can't be that high because you don't have that much force output yeah. because you're on like your, your tiptoes, right? You're, like you're in your... Mm -hmm. um, late stance yeah some about of gate. the wedges are stupidly high yeah, yeah 100%. whereas if you have let's say like a lifter that is about an inch high it'll give you the center of mass um uh pushing back of what you want but mm -hmm. it's gonna have to you're gonna have to be proficient in the skill of squatting to get deep in that range of motion but you can push a lot more weight. So what I do with my clients is I'll only do a small wedge yeah, and then get them to practice the skill of squatting so that they can get deep. Yeah. And then they, and then over time they can push load. So uh, I think lifters are really valuable because it's, it's yeah. easier than putting plates underneath your, your, your heels. Um, yeah. Especially when people don't know how to control their center of mass. It's, it's, it's an easy way to get them pushing back. A hundred percent. And especially because, Yes, you can work on ankle mobility and get crazy depth like that. But in reality, are we really spending that much time working on our ankle mobility? But also it can be one. It doesn't have to be one or the other. You can work on your ankle mobility at the same right. time as using that whilst you're uh, doing your squats. You know, you and most and most people don't it. have most people don't have an ankle restriction. They just have a center yeah. of mass restriction. They don't know how to control it. Right. It's like if you lean forward while you're standing, your entire posterior chain is going to activate to 
stop you from falling forward. Yes. So if your center of mass is always forward and you try to squat, well, your calves are always on tension. Mm -hmm. You're always on tone and it's going to feel like they're tight because, oh, they feel tight. But really, it's just your body trying to not make you fall forward. Oh, yeah. That's that's in most cases, actually. That happens a lot. Um, but yeah, that's right. They, they're really, and some Nike trainers now have, like, they sell separately the wedges that you can put inside your shoes. And those are actually okay um they're obviously not as good as the lifters because they're not as solid yeah but the metcons will have a little bit of a heel raise like the, it'll it'll yeah, it'll that's right it'll, yeah. now you can choose your own i think when in some of them you can choose your own windsoles and add that oh, to it. cool i didn't know that yeah it's really good um right so coming off that uh deload weeks overrated or underrated oh that's my <laughs> oh no guys he's smiling oh, I, you know you set me up you set me up and i'm not gonna be max it's friday the sun is shining i have a coffee so i'm not gonna get mad at you i'm not gonna get mad at you for this i'm gonna say <laughs> here we go uh overrated yeah. for general for general so so this is in the context of general population yeah okay yeah fair yeah um i'm gonna say uh, yeah, overrated because they're, it's not their training that is causing them to fatigue. It's their lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Oh, so, okay. so let me flip, okay. let me flip this. Let me flip this. A lifestyle deload is underrated. A mm -hmm. training deload is overrated. This is gonna be a good soundbite. We put so much effort on deloading someone's training that they only do three to four times a week for one hour, but they do fuck all for their lifestyle deload. Meaning they don't get their sleep. They don't eat well. They're dehydrated. They fucking drink alcohol every fucking five minutes. Like deload your lifestyle. That way you can upload, upload mm -hmm. your training here. How's that for a sound bite? Right? Because like a general population isn't going to like what dictates their ability to train hard is their lifestyle. Mm. So if we just switch that and say, okay, let's deload your lifestyle and let's upload, upgrade, whatever you want to call it, your training, then maybe down the road, as you really start to push the intensity to the point where like you're like fatiguing high, which is going to be very rare. Cause even some power lifters that, that are high level or athletes that don't really take a deload. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's overrated. Yeah, totally. I think people put their focus on the wrong things when focusing on the basics is just going to be the way to go always focusing on recovery, being well nourished and actually doing your sessions in a good structured way in a way that that's programmed for you. And it's going to be progressing you in that way. And obviously life happens naturally, there might occur some deloads along the way. But you don't have to plan for deloads on top of that. You know, if you're going on holiday, that's already a deload. If you're, you know, going to be away for a week or if you are sick or something like that, naturally, then you're going to have to take a step back and then restart from, you know, maybe two steps behind. And But this is just life in general. We're not always going to be just nonstop up, 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 up at some point. Something's going to happen that's going to take you back a little bit and that's your deload. So I think that people think that deloads are necessary 
for everyone when that might not be the case. Obviously, if you if you got injured or if something happened, then a deload would be very beneficial. No, that, that, that's a very good that's a very good point. And to that, um, so so he, here's an example uh, for my Rebel Series online training uh, platform. Uh, one of our program streams is called power build and we do power lifting and bodybuilding together. So you get strong. We also get a nice physique and we follow the five, three, one, uh, method. Have you heard of the five, three, one method? Yeah. Okay. So if, if you do the five, three, one method, like by the book, you're supposed to take uh, a deload on the fourth week. Now this was meant for high level power lifters who are maxing out their lifts you know, pretty much every session almost, you know, in the sense of like what they're doing for like their, cause at the end of, um, so like, you know, week one is five reps. Week three is three reps. Sorry. Week one is five reps. Week two is three reps. And then week three, it's a five, three, one. So you would do like a max out essentially. And the last set of every, uh, main lift is an AMRAP set. So if it's a five, if your third set of five, Sorry, I'm confusing everybody. <laughs> on your last set of your five reps, for, for example, on week one, you're supposed to do an AMRAP set. So you take your five rep max, but you try to go like six or seven reps. So that, that can tax you systematically for a high level power lifter. So yeah, maybe take a deload from that. But because I train general population, that deload week isn't really a deload week. Mm-hmm. What I do is I switch out the exercise for the same pattern, but loadable. So for example, on the deadlift deload, instead of deloading the deadlift at like, let's say 50% of their one rep max, mm-hmm. I deload it by doing a barbell Romanian deadlift because it's still the same pattern. Yeah. Naturally, but load it still heavy. heavy. Yeah. Load, But you're still going to load it like six to eight reps heavy but it's still never going to be as heavy as your deadlifts because of, yeah. for obvious reasons, right? But you're still stimulating whatever you want from it, right? And then even in the accessory movements, I'm still doing high volume, high intensity because we're general population. We're not like, of we're course. not going that hard. So like, that's why like, we can. People think that deloading means also deloading on like machine or just doing like nothing at all. If you're doing any like supported exercises and you know, your accessory work, uh, that doesn't need deloading. Like no. we're not talking stopping everything or just having two weeks off because, you know, I've been going to the gym consistently for four months and now I need two weeks off. If you take those two weeks off every four months, you, it, it, occasionally it's going to add up to a year. And then mm-hmm. that's a whole year of not training or not doing anything altogether that you could be progressing in between. So like you said, just changing the main compound movements, maybe to the same movement pattern, but just changing the stimulus and changing the load and then keeping everything else as it is, just to make sure that you still stimulating the muscle, you still sending signal for growth, which is, I guess, always the aim, isn't it? So yeah. And I think for most the general population, I think everybody just wants aesthetic goals anyways. Like, yes, strength is there, but I think the majority of people should be training for like hypertrophy just because that's just it's it's an easier way to get strong and also look better and have all the metabolic health that you need that's right 
Cool. Um, I had a few more, but let's do one more because I feel like this one is also going to be a bit of a long one. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, Gender-specific training, overrated or underrated? Um, how many genders are we speaking about? <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm, I'm, totally, I'm totally kidding. No. <laughs> we're not, not going to open up that can of worms. No, we're talking um, about female and male. Um, so this one is – so listen, I'm going to say <laughs> – I'm going to say overrated because I'm not a menstrual specialist when it comes to the train, right? So like, I know a lot of people and a lot of female coaches that like specialize in like menstrual cycle and at what part of their phase or cycle that they should be doing X amount of exercise or whatever. I I don't, I I don't, I I don't know any of that. Mm. Um, I I appreciate that you say that because sometimes uh some male coaches feel like they have to know it and they have to prove to everyone that they know about the female menstrual cycle. we don't even know about our speakers no. that well it's individual it's each person is different so you might understand roughly how it goes or how it should go but with each of my female clients, I can tell that they've all got different cycles. They've all got different uh, contraception methods, which plays in the, in their hormone uh, pattern as well. And so, no, you don't understand all everything about about menstrual cycles because we don't even either. So I appreciate that you at least say yeah, I'm not specializing in that or anything like that. I'd rather you say that than actually lead people on to thinking you're a menstrual cycle specialist, no. quote unquote. No. And, and to go even further, I'm not I don't even listen, to, to decipher women in general, it's very difficult. So so like to, to figure out their menstrual cycle and what phase they are so that I can pro no man, that's not I can't. I, I stop. I stop at a certain point. Um, now, I, now, just from a logical perspective, mm-hmm. um, that's just when you auto-regulate yourself as a female to know that hey, like I feel like a piece of shit today. Mm. Yeah. Are you gonna go hard? I don't know. Like maybe you won't because you're cramping or whatever. Like mm-hmm. right. Like if you're if you if you have like very bad you know um, effects from it. Um, so, so to your point about like, you know, gender specific exercises, workouts, no overrated because like the, your muscles move the same as my muscles, right? Like there's nothing different in our musculature and our anatomy other than maybe like, you know, like hip width and all that stuff, a Q angle. Sure. Right. There's, Mm -hmm. there's, there's things that you have to account for, but you account for things for males and females regardless, right? Like, like some guys have wider hips. Some guys have, yeah. you Taller, know, narrow- shorter. Yeah. yeah. Like that's just a human variability that yeah. you have to account for. Right. Which is not, you know, which is fine. Yeah. So, but it's not that like women have to do a specific. Now here's the thing. I remember, uh, where, where did I hear this? It was either Alan Aragon or, um, Brad Schoenfeld, who does a lot of research on 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 hypertrophy and muscle building, um, I, I believe that women can tolerate more volume, endure for more, yeah, for longer in on paper. Um, but yeah, it yeah. also depends. You know, yeah. So so like you know, whereas you know, so like that's why women prefer the circuit training type style of training, where they go back to back to back because they can endure a lot more volume like that. Whereas guys can't, right? We're like one and done. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, which makes sense from an evolution standpoint, right? Like you guys can handle a lot more pain because of mm-hmm. childbirthing. So like, just makes sense that way. Yeah. Uh, so 
you know, you could probably program more volume for your females, give or take, depending on, on, on how they adapt to it. Yeah. Um, so that there are some program considerations, but I don't think you have to like change exercises per se. Yeah. Maybe from a preference, like let's say you like, do you want to build biceps? Maybe, maybe, maybe you do, yeah. uh, Manuela, but maybe not like your 50 year old female client, but even at yeah. that point, they're not going to build muscle. Yeah, that's right. Apart so, from the anatomy things that you said that we got to take into account, um, there is no, I, I think I want to focus on, there is no exercise for women or exercise for men. And there is no exercise that women shouldn't do or no exercise that men shouldn't do. Should men be doing hip thrusts? Sure, why not? Should men be doing glute focus hyperextensions? Sure, why not? Should women be doing bicep curls and tricep extensions? Yes, we fucking should. It's the thing where, you know, it, it will go down to your preference, but there is no muscle that should be neglected because it's not a female looking muscle or it's not a male looking muscle, especially because guys with stick legs is also not that attractive. No. You want to be strong overall. And even if you're not even trying to build, maintaining the musculature you have, or, you know, people say, I don't want to be flabby here or there. Guess how you do that? You The only way to stop that is by building muscle in that area or just working on your muscle in that area. Um, so it's a matter of balancing out the exercises that you want to prioritize with the with other body parts that maybe you don't care that much for, mm -hmm. but still do exercise those muscles because uh, as much as you don't like it or don't care for it, there's nothing that you should avoid just because you're a woman or you should avoid just because you're a man. It has to be a trade-off. Like, okay, yesterday we did benches. Remember, you like benches? Today we're going to work on glutes, okay? We're going to work on those hamstrings, all right? Otherwise, they're just like, ah, oh, man, I don't care for my glutes. I don't care for my hamstrings. Mm. Can we just do more arms <laughs> instead? Now, here's a disclaimer oh. to the ladies listening. <laughs> to all the ladies that are dating or married, if your man is only doing hip thrusts and glute kickbacks, reconsider <laughs> <laughs> who you're with. Uh, and then you can reach me at uh, 226. No, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what we're here for. But yeah, I think that's a wrap for today. Do you have anything else to add on anything? No, but we should do this again because I have other oh, overrated, yeah. underrated that we should talk that. about. I have quite a few more to go as well. We do let part us know if you enjoy it as well, guys. I hope you did. Lots of rents, lots of basically everything was overrated today. Maybe we'll come up with other things underrated. that are underrated. Uh, for yeah, next we should, yeah, yeah, like, like, yeah, the yin and the yang. We should compliment next episode yeah. with the underrated. Yes, let's try that. All right. Thank you very much for listening, guys. Thank you for your time, Michael. Um, Absolutely. Thank you. I will see you again next week then. Yeah, peace. Have a good one, guys. See you later.